0: What's going on, guys and gals? My name is Chris Tondevold, and this is Ambition Radio. This is a podcast where I try to find people that have found that balance between their life, family, career, and the pursuit of their passions, dreams, or hobbies. This week, we have Derek Valtrenant of Chain of Islands and Lions Lions. I've known Derek for years and never learned how to pronounce his last name, so hopefully I didn't butcher it too bad. I met him all the way back in 2008 when he randomly emailed the pseudo venue I was booking at called Room with a Brew. It was just... Basically, an empty space attached to a coffee shop that I somehow tricked the owners into liking me enough to throw shows in. For a long time, I saw Derek every year as drummer of Shot Heard Around the World with Brian Luttrell, who you can hear on episode 20 with Geary and who wrote the intro music. Since then, I've stopped putting on shows while he's continued to pursue music, playing in hip-hop groups, post-hardcore acts, and indie pop acts while opening up for the likes of Portugal The Man. It's been amazing seeing his progression over the years, and I couldn't be happier to still be friends after all this time. We talk about how we got into music, the craziness that is the world right now, how the connections you make over the years can help you out immensely, and the sheer terror of your backing tracks not playing correctly in front of thousands of people. It's a great conversation, so hopefully you dig it. Chain of Islands will be releasing their next single June 19th. Their current one, Maybe It's You, is out now and it's fantastic. I'll have all the links in the show notes, so definitely make sure you check that out. As a side note, I know a lot of stuff is going on between the pandemic and now the riots. Stay safe out there. Black Lives Matter. As always, please rate and review on Apple Podcasts, follow me on Spotify, and subscribe on Google Play or however you get your podcast. Thank you for everything. Here's the show. Enjoy. How are things, man? You've been just as busy as ever for everything.
1: Pretty much. It's weird, too, because it's like, I know the world's kind of like in chaos and uncertainty right now. And it's like somehow I have the most opportunity (laughs) (laughs) to to like somehow be, you know, doing well and and keeping busy. But yeah, it's definitely been busy. Are you still drumming in like five or six different projects? (laughs) Um, So there's one project that's like my main project now called Chain of Islands. And that's like, that doesn't take up as much time with drums, actually. Cause we're able to demo with like MIDI drums or electronic drums and whatever. Okay. Even some of the, some of that music is used with like fake drums as well. I still play drums for like Lions, Lions, whenever things pop up with us and you know, whoever needs a favor, I guess. Right. Whenever that, <laughs> <laughs> whenever that is around, it sucks too. Cause like I wasn't doing as much like touring and upfront stuff over mm-hmm. the past like year and some change. There's like some stuff here and there I did that was cool when I moved to Southern California. But, like, for the most part, I wasn't like touring as heavily as, you know, since I've known you. Right. I started to line up some stuff with my buddy Tyler. He plays for a band called Mako and he has like a side project. We were going to do some stuff and a couple other things were happening down the pipeline. And then, fucking out of nowhere, all this COVID 19 shit, <laughs> up the whole world. <laughs> so I was like, we had, you know, we had these like four crazy music videos lined up there was like all this like pyrotechnic shit that was like <laughs> out yeah we were going to do like i don't know he sent me like the the like stage plot or whatever for uh-huh. like, the shoots one of them was going to be out in like Joshua tree like fucking like the desert or whatever in socal and you know there, there was like these dope locations and like it was just going to be a lot of fun and then Adam, like again like and this is right at the beginning of like the uncertainty of it right like okay, people yeah, yeah. still going to shows and still doing stuff and whatever and I think it was like three days before we were supposed to head out for those shoots. He texted me and he was like, Yo, uh, none of that's happening now. <laughs> talk. <laughs> so and again, it's like I'm I'm just as clueless as the next guy. We we have no idea, you know, there's no there's no shows in LA until twenty twenty one now. Right. And we have no idea what the rest of the country or the rest of the music industry is like in relation to that. So
0: yeah, it's it's fucking wild. So, I ended up um having to put my dog down during all of this.
1: I'm sorry, bro. It sucks.
0: Yeah. Yeah, it's not it's not a great thing cuz I couldn't even like go into the building because of COVID, right? Yeah. But uh the flip side to that is now I can't even go to like shows and enjoy myself and like <laughs> yeah. forget all about that. So, I'm just like stuck in the house being like, "Well, this sucks." And yep. then I can't even like escape to what I actually like doing.
1: Exactly, man. It's, yeah. it's crazy.
0: Yeah. So it's it's all wild. Um, I've been somewhat productive, which is kind of nice. Uh I'm still waiting on stuff for work to do, like work at home and do yeah, like customer service stuff. Mm-hmm. So I've been like clean
1: actually cleaning my house, which <laughs> is <laughs> which I don't do. Oh, see, I'm nuts. I'm, like, OCD. I, any of my living space, it needs to be, like, spotless and organized. Really? Yeah, yeah. Dude, you should you should talk to, I don't know if you still talk to Brian. Yeah. Like, touring and shot. Like, even even back then, even just, like, the van, I'd, I'd, like, I'd wake up and be like, Ricky, I'm like, what the fuck? Like, this isn't your bedroom. <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, your boxers are, like, hanging on the window. Like, your <laughs> socks are up in these cup holders and shit. Like, I've always been weird about just, like, you know, just personal sp- space and like cleanliness. <laughs> and, How like, can you do that in a van that you're traveling for 10 or 12 hours in? Bro, trust me. When I designate spots or even the best, the funniest thing is like, once I started getting more calls to like fill in for other people and whatever. Yeah, It's, it's funny because it's almost like, it's kind of like tribal mentality where like you are, this tribe is now asking you to like, Hey, come over here and help us with this and whatever. Right. Right. You're very, you're, you're all uncertain of like, okay, like what's this person's living habits and whatever. (laughs) So like when (laughs) I'm pretty like kept to myself at first when I'm traveling with like a new group or whatever. And, and I think it's pretty evident that like when you are touring with me or if you hire me for some shit, it's like, okay, that's his spot. And he's clearly got everything like bunched in this little (laughs) pile that, that like he knows is his and like has a certain way. Nobody would fucking bother me. The rest of the van for like anybody else that I filled in with for or toured with. The rest of the van would be chaos, but like that one little spot that belongs to Derek is just, <laughs> organized. It's just organized and untouched and nobody goes near it. Nobody bothers me. It just has that
0: ray of light shining on it and just everything's yeah. pristine and shiny. Yeah, that's yep.
1: that's fantastic. You open the door and like the light comes down. It's like, oh, it's just like the sound <laughs> of the gods.
0: <laughs> does, that, uh, does that make it harder to connect with people that are just hiring you for a spot? Because that can kind of seem like reserved or like off putish, right? right?
1: Uh, yes and no. I think like, you know, when people come to you, it's kind of like, they just ask, you know, they're like, hey, what do you need from us? And like, I'll just make like, I'll just make, we'll discuss whatever the compensation needs to be or what, you know, what the deal is. And I just kind of give fair warning. I'm like, hey, I'm pretty, you know, like organized <laughs> or I'll just make I'm pretty OCD about like you know, people's like sweaty fucking nutsack boxers hanging around my stuff. I don't want that happening. So like, I need that. I need, I need your stuff to stay the fuck away from mine. (laughs) Everybody's pretty cool and understanding about it. So
0: that's, that's fantastic. And just as long as they, they know, I mean, you, you already have the expectation you're going to be in this tiny ass van or whatever. Right. So that's, uh, that's, that's so funny. I really
1: like that. How I have to be. man.
0: Well, I mean, it helps keep your sanity because you've been playing music for like half your life, right? Oh, yeah. Easily at this point. Yeah. Yeah. So when did you start and you've been just playing drums,
1: right? Yes. I mean, I do play other instruments and even like when shot like back in the day, probably even shortly before before shot had met you or connected with you, mm-hmm. Um, there's like photos and videos floating around from like 10 12 years ago where i i'm playing like a couple songs on guitar with them or doing like vocals or whatever and i don't believe like it primary <laughs> you gotta search through myspace <laughs> um, but uh yeah primarily drums but like okay I, I like to write a lot whether i'm like playing guitar or writing lyrically and whatever so
0: nice all right was shot one of the the first bands for you
1: yeah okay yeah, that was like that was the second band that i toured in Okay, what I
0: remember is, <laughs> okay. and this is this is a fun story for me. So cool. I had been doing shows in Maryland for a little bit, and this coffee shop had just opened. And no yeah, yeah, is that yeah what it's that, that's exactly right. Yeah, yeah. yes. Um, and then they just had this big ass empty spot, right? So yep. they were gonna do like yoga and all this other shit. Um, but I had been cause they they moved locations. So I'd been working with them for a little bit and then they went from one location to the one that you actually played at. Yep. What I remember is Wendy, the owner, giving me a bunch of emails because apparently you guys just email blasted like every venue on Earth
1: to try and play. Yeah. So what I used to do because I was not familiar with professional <laughs> booking, I think I was like 19, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That sounds about right. Yeah. I would go through some of my friends bands that were touring. I would go through their pages and find the flyer and it would say, "Room with a brew, or it would say this or that or whatever. And I would yeah. just contact that MySpace page until somebody gave me a show. <laughs> you know what I mean? I think so that's, that's, that's genius. I thought, yeah. I always wondered about that
0: because I thought that it was just like, Oh yeah, I'm just like looking for venues or whatever, or just like hitting up random spots. Do you remember yeah. what band you
1: saw that played? Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So it was my friend's band Land and Fall, and I think oh, they've yeah. been on tour with maybe Go Radio or Bedlife for Blue Eyes, one of some emo I pop band. Th- think Go Radio. Probably. Yeah. Okay. That makes more sense. But I that's where I saw that name Room of the Brew, so I was like, "Oh, I'm going to I was like if they played there, I was like it must be a fun place, or it must be like a yeah. legit spot. So I was like, "Let's go."
0: <laughs> that's that's so cool. All right, because I remember getting this email or uh, Wendy telling me about this email. And she was like, "Here, this is for you," and I was like, "Okay," because it was nothing like your music uh, at that time was like nothing else that she wanted to deal with. <laughs> so <laughs> <laughs> yeah, sounds
1: uh, like a lot of places to book us. <laughs>
0: because it was like like i said i mean it was it was just like a coffee shop slash just open space and i was able to just book shows out of there right so i i listened to you guys and was like fuck yeah this is right up my alley this is fantastic <laughs> and then yeah we we got to uh, together for it and then i still have pictures from that show somewhere
1: Dude, you uh, have to send that shit
0: <laughs> the ones that i remember the most mm-hmm. is I I might still have a picture of this. I don't know if I still have a picture of this or not. When you started climbing your own drums,
1: <laughs> yeah, I'm pretty yeah. sure you already took your shirt off too, which is fucking ridiculous. Yeah, that was like the first I'd say like nine years of touring for me, no shirt and climbing on things, hundred percent. Because it was it was, it blew my mind what
0: what what actually happened, and I I still talk about this to this day because you climbed your drums kept playing your drums and then spun around and kept doing everything after <laughs> jumping off one of the toms or some shit. And I was like, this is ridiculous. Why are they doing this? And then fucking Brian comes in. And when I finally give him like a, a, a way to climb as well, <laughs> yeah, I have this picture of him just hanging from a ceiling in one of the other venues that we booked. And yep. that's, that's just him. And you guys are all fucking insane. I don't understand it.
1: It's a lot of fun. It's funny that you're talking about that because even see, when did we break up? We broke up probably like four years ago, five years ago. And th- even then, there was a somebody recently sent me a photo of we were playing someplace in Cambridge, Mass, and I was hanging upside down from the ceiling with <laughs> <putting> my symbols. <laughs> and Brian is <laughs> he's right across from me, hanging upside down as well. So it was like it was always kind of like a a contest between like it was never really like, I don't I don't really know how to describe it. I think we just kind of started pushing each other to just be more stupid and <laughs> see if we can do get away with as much as possible without hurting ourselves or anyone else.
0: That's crazy. And what, what I always liked is that it seemed natural. It wasn't, yeah. you know, anything that was manufactured. It wasn't like a crab walk where you're just you know, chugging <laughs> yeah, yeah. the entire time. But uh, it also, you know, you, you go to expect that stuff. Sometimes you, you want like that's part of the show, right? You want to be able to,
1: yeah, this to, coordinated stuff, or yeah. you know, the show. Yeah, yeah, we were never about that. Nah. It's like cool. Everybody, everybody's got their own thing and and whatever. But we definitely never wanted to be associated with like just a regular chuggy chug breakdown or these dance moves and whatever. And it's no, it's no like you know diss to anybody that did that stuff. It's just that wasn't for us,
0: you know. Well, I'll say it is a diss. It's terrible. Don't do it. <laughs> uh, I'm glad that it's all dead. I Same, think for the yeah. most part, I mean, there's there's some that still like do the <laughs> the standing jogging, which is always yeah. fun.
1: <laughs> the jogging, the fucking hardcore assizing or whatever. Yeah, you know. yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, that's that that brings me back because now now I'm thinking about because I haven't done a show in. I think the last show that I booked was back in 2014. Yep. So it's been been like six or seven years. And just thinking about that, because I'm thinking like 10, 15 years ago, just about. And that's all the rage. And then imagining like all my friends that play music still now, I have pictures somewhere of them just in emo hair
1: doing this stuff.
2: Yeah. So I need
1: I need to find this and incriminate them a little bit. For me personally, I think that was like I don't know. It's like it's definitely judgmental, <laughs> you know what I mean? Because it's like I think a lot of things is like it's like association. You see something and you go, "I do that as well." So right. So people or whatever. And it's like for me personally, I just I never wanted to be someone that like wore girls' jeans or, <laughs> <laughs> or like, did crab walky stuff or whatever. But again, it, and it's like, dude, I have I still have. Mad friends from that time in my life that like did that stuff and still love that stuff and whatever and you know I would always give them shit for it's like it's all in good fun we all express yeah. ourselves on stage differently I just didn't want to do it. <laughs> just didn't want to do it that
0: way <laughs> so, I yeah. I just think it's it's silly just thinking about all that stuff and uh, all the videos from that age too like yeah. all the uh, the music videos you were talking about your your crazy ass pyrotechnics like eighties metal music from right. <laughs> apparently what you're doing. And then I just remember there's a distinct <laughs> one that I remember. I don't remember the band, but the video is just the band members in the middle of a field, all like doing that crab swing, that low uh, chug chug yeah. the entire
1: time. And it's, it's just probably attack attack or like 90 other bands that were like them. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Yeah. It was probably attack attack and that was just silly. Yeah. You know what's funny
1: is, I'm not going to say which band it is because it's a (laughs) band that got very successful from that realm, Uh but one of those guys from one of those bands, I was on tour with, I was playing drums for this rapper named uh, H.D. Bendo. He's doing really well right now as well, so anybody listening that likes hip-hop, check him out, but we were supporting um, Portugal The Man, and we were out in... I think we we're in New Orleans or somewhere in that area. And my friend came out and she happened to be dating somebody from a a band in that realm, right? Like that, right. that crab walk realm or whatever. And, you know, he came to hang out and it, and it essentially just, you know, any conversation just immediately turned into like, Oh yeah. Well, you know, the craziest time I was like, I don't care. He's (laughs) he's talking about like, you know, it just went from like catching up to one of my, with one of my friends to like, all of a sudden, like this dude is just talking about like, oh, I puked and passed out in front of like 900 people. And I'm like, it's a good time, bro. Like, you know, whatever. (laughs) I think he just kind of like stuck in the heyday and just kept bragging about that, that, that band and whatever. And I was like, something new, bro. Like, keep, keep expressing yourself. It doesn't (laughs) need to be, that doesn't need to be the end. I hope that's right. Right.
0: (laughs) So, well, and I, I think that's uh, that's prevalent on what you've been doing. So you had shot heard around the world, and you said that
1: was your your second band that you were playing with or touring with. Yeah, the second band that I was touring with, I would played in bands a bunch of different bands when I was younger. Until you know, until I got the opportunity to tour, and then yeah, just kind of like went up the line, you know.
0: Yeah, because yeah. shot heard around the world. For those that haven't listened to it, is kind of like. It's the good I guess metalcore is that what it is post hardcore I don't know I don't know what labels are but it's good Some music yeah. that's yeah. Th- that's all that matters Sorry felt them. Yeah but now you've as a, a drummer you've you've hit all sorts of different spots between hip hop you have Lions Lions and then oh I forgot the other one something of Islands
1: Chain of Islands yeah Chain so that's of Islands a new
0: project. Yeah. yeah okay but that's, that's what I like. So like what you were talking about, where you're not kind of like pigeonholing yourself at all, you're expanding on completely different horizons every single way, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, definitely. And like, although I'm playing drums in most of those things, it's it definitely leads you to like, you change your course, right? Like you might've thought like your vision was to be successful with Shot Hard Around the World and to see how far you could have taken that, you know, as a career choice. But like, as you continue to meet people within the the touring world and the music industry. It's like, it's a lot of things that might open up like, you know, your perspective to, to like, Oh, let's try this or let's express ourselves this way or do something new with this or whatever. So yeah, much how it goes. How did you, um, join shot heard around the world? So back to land and fall, Mm -hmm. um, that Ben that you booked there from like the same area that I grew up in. And, I was playing, who the fuck was I playing for? I think it was like this, it was like this ska punk band, like pop punk. Like it was just kind of like a mixed genre, or whatever project called Drive Like July. So that band was really good friends with Shot, who was really good friends with Land and Fall. And we'd all play shows in that, in that like shore Massachusetts area. And whenever the three of us played somewhere, like did really well. We'd draw like a good amount of kids to a venue. It was always a good time. And then, you know, Shot eventually needed a drummer and I had always been around. Was always just like their homie. That went to the practices and hung out and did this and the you know, this that and the other thing. And then I ended up playing drums for them.
0: Gotcha. Okay. So you weren't part of the original lineup with it.
1: No, no, definitely not. It used to be called. Here's a here's a little shot around the world. Fun Factory. It's called. It used to be called fallen. I don't remember what the fuck that meant. But <laughs> um, they had a different singer. Basically, Brian somehow got suckered into being into that band like somebody i think it was do you remember mike crocker that i don't know if you met him i think he he uh did i need a a microphone at the shows that i was playing with you i did right that means he wasn't there yeah so crocker wasn't there but crocker put on put this ad out that was like you know just a complete bullshit lie and brian was like oh i want to do all those things so (laughs) he tried out and, you know, they were obviously like, yeah, let's keep him. Brian really shaped Shot Heard around the world. Right. When he joined, he really was like the visionary of that band. He, you know, music that was far more current than what, you know, Crocker was writing and and he just had like a better idea of where to go.
0: Was Mike the, like the original guitarist or something?
1: Yeah. Okay. Yeah. He, it was like him and one other person that like started that band. <laughs> it quickly changed. <laughs> So my favorite thing about
0: uh Shot around the world when they cause you guys played for me almost every year since I met you back in like 2010 or some shit. Uh, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, uh, yeah. but I never met the full original lineup or the full lineup because there was always someone filling in. Yep. And I think that I met Mike once, maybe. Maybe cause, yeah, because I, I remember I remember him being introduced as like, yeah, he's our actual guitarist. And then we have
1: who knows. (laughs) (laughs) Who fucking knows? We had like an actual guitarist every year. So
0: Yeah, yeah. It was just funny. Cause then um man, I'm trying to remember. So the first time when you guys broke down in my apartment.
1: We had to get our van towed, right?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh I think that's when I met Ricky, maybe. Yeah. Oh, maybe. Or maybe that was the next one. I think that was the next tour. I feel like that was the next tour. Yeah. But yeah, I just remember every every year it would be just someone different. And Brian, uh, we talked about that a little bit uh, when I interviewed Geary. Uh-huh. He was just trying to take whatever he could
1: and keep going. Yeah, dude, he was he was all about grinding. Like, he was definitely a grunt worker. You know what I mean? But I think at some point, both of us realized we were like, yo, we've been doing this shit wrong <laughs> for like <laughs> fucking eight years or some shit. Like, you know, because the way we used to book tours would be like, it, it's same shit. We would just kind of like blast out as many proposals for shows as possible. And like the first person that got back to us would be like, okay, there's, there's a show <laughs> in this state. like some of our tour routing when we were younger, it's like we look back and we're like, this is the fucking dumbest shit. It's like the equivalent of driving from like, Florida to North Dakota to Maine. It, you know what I mean? It's just like, yeah. it's just some dumbass route.
0: I remember, so, I remember some of those. Cause I look at you guys and be like, why would you do this to yourselves? Right. <laughs> Cause <laughs> you're, you're, this this <laughs> right yeah, you're just driving like 10, 12 hours on a one for one show, which was all yeah, just maybe
1: making like 80 bucks on. <laughs> <Yeah>.
0: <laughs> <laughs> when, uh, when you look back at that stuff, And the the projects that you're doing now, do you take any of those lessons and try to implement them? Because you're doing a lot of freelance stuff too, right?
1: Yeah, hell yeah, man! Like I could never, I could never tour like that again, just from like you know, uh, just a a financially sound aspect, like or perspective. I mean, or even just like professionally, just like you're supposed to make all those mistakes when you're younger. You know what I mean? You're supposed to tour crazy routing and not great pay and in whatever shows it's like not necessarily that you're supposed to but those are the times when you learn and obviously or that you hopefully learn because if you continue to do it that way as you get older and as the music industry changes or whatever industry you're in changes you're just you're always going to see the same amount of success you'll never go further than that yeah so it's like i definitely needed to implement what i learned with Shaw, not only in other bands but for myself as well you know what i mean
0: yeah. Cause it sounds like you have now taken it a little bit more serious. I don't know how serious you were taking shot because kind of like what you were saying, it, it did end up kind of plateauing for a second. Right.
1: Absolutely. I mean, shot, shot, like, you know, when I was a kid and I first joined that band, I was like, Oh, shots like the dream. Like I wanted that to be like, as successful as under Oath or or fucking August Burns, right? Or whoever we were listening to at that time. <laughs> and then, and then I think, you, you know, you move into your first apartment and you're like, oh, I have this thing called rent. <laughs> <laughs> and at some point, you know, you're kind of like, all right, we got to either start making money from this shit or I need to find a way to be able to make money from what it is that I love doing. Yeah. You know what I mean? Because I don't want to work at a fucking grocery store until I drop dead or whatever. So definitely start to find ways to build revenue through passion. And that's what you have to do at some point. I think me and Brian were just kind of like sick of going through members. <laughs> and when i finally said i wanted to step away he was like all right if you're not going to be here to deal with this shit with me then i'm done too and right. so if neither one of us existed then there was no more <laughs> you know what I mean? like if we weren't gonna stick with it then it was then shot was over you know yeah you should have just been a two-piece at that time i did literally like and it would be acceptable now because every goddamn show on earth has run through backing tracks so right it's like, yeah <laughs> it's fucking wild
0: man there's a um- there's a, a band local here in Maryland, uh, Pretty Mean, that are really good. Yeah, but they have those backing tracks, and yeah. there's so much production into everything that they do, and everything yeah. is down to like a fucking T. Like, if there's any kind of just one hiccup, then yeah. the whole song yeah. can be done,
1: which is Bro, it's game changer with that shit. Like, it's 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 very like it can be nerve wracking, especially when you're getting hired to do that shit with some with people that you don't really know that well. Yeah, and it's like I have experienced that mistake in front of like two thousand people in Vegas, and I was like, <laughs> fuck, <laughs> it like suck. You know what I mean? Like it it the the world of you know implementing like that level of production and and you know having everybody on stage be disciplined enough to. Either follow one person that's on click and tracks or have everyone on click and tracks. It's like, you know, if you fuck up, <laughs> it's very hard to cover up. Cause like the music that isn't human, you know, that's going through front of house is going to continue to, you know, it doesn't know to slow down or be right. like, oh, hey, you fucked up. You know right. what I mean? It's just the shit keeps going. So if you don't, if you're not paying attention to what you're doing at Soundcheck, like, you're dude it's fucking nightmare man like there was one sound check we had in vegas where it was like you know hd would go up to the mic and he was just kind of like quiet at sound check and our tracks were put together like so not professionally before this (laughs) tour and even our we had one rehearsal in my friend's basement where we were playing like very quietly which was not what we had planned on doing on this tour (laughs) and so like third or fourth show in i was stoked um, Cause it was a really cool fucking venue, and it was like a big, well-known venue. I was like, sick! I get to play here. And so he's very quiet during sound check. I don't know what happened in the green room that put us all in like this really hype mood, but we we're like, yo, let's go out here and fucking kill this shit. <laughs> you know what I mean? There's like the circle before every show, like we all, you know, one, two, three, shouts, red right, right. shit or whatever. And so we go out. <laughs> and I think crush the first like song or two and then like song 3 pops up and he's he's so good at like talking to the crowd he's like talking he's like yo i need you know when you hear this in the hook i need you all to yell this back to me and so the hook comes up when we finally start playing this shit and he just gets so like it was like just all of a sudden i just only had hd in my inner monitors and i was like what the fuck is going on i was like i don't hear track oh, no. i don't hear dj or nothing but i was like you know what he hears this shit, so he must be <laughs> he must be on time, right? And so I start playing to his energy, and okay. his energy is okay. a little bit ahead of the song. And, oh. then, and this only takes a matter of seconds to be like heavily clipping with the tracks that are going through the front. Right. And so me and him look at each other, and he's like, he's looking at me like, do you know what's going on? I'm, at him. <laughs> I'm like, yo, why are you so loud right now? I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> I'm like, how did this happen? And so I'm like yelling to our camera guy, like we had a you know, somebody out with us documenting. He would normally hang next to my kit for the first couple songs. He's on the other side of the stage and I'm just in complete hell because I'm like, I stopped for a second so I could hear where the track right. was and then started playing again, like kind of quietly. I took an ear out, like an, a monitor out, so I can hear the wedge that's next to my drums. And I'm yelling to our camera guy to be like, I'm like, i <laughs> <laughs> I'm trying to yell over our set. And he finally comes over. I'm like, yo, tell the tell the fucking sound guy to like cut out. Just take HD out of my ears entirely. And this this is all like a 30-second nightmare. You know what I mean? It's like right. what feels like an eternity on, on stage is really the crowd is just confused for like a matter of seconds. And then, you know, they're kind of like, oh, all right, cool. It's good again. You know what I mean? But like it just fucks your whole night up. You know, you, the rest of your set, you're fucking nervous and worried. You don't know what's gonna <laughs> going on. So that was, a, that was a hard lesson learned with backing tracks, bro. It's,
0: yeah. It's and it it always amazes me too, that like sometimes breaks aren't thought of, so yeah. you go you go through the the whole the whole songs or the track list, and then it continues. there's no like yeah. tune up tune down time there's no if something fucking breaks there's no right. <laughs> <laughs> there's none of that time. you
1: can't just like
0: hit pause on the backing track like it just so keeps you turn it off entirely. right,
1: right you just play the rest of the song just bare naked now, you know what <laughs> I mean? So you better hope that you lose the tracks on like the, the least needed song, <laughs> you know, to have that. which that also happened to me too, man. Like there's a band called bad rabbits. I actually, uh, their singer and myself have a, a place in Massachusetts together. And I was a fan of the band before I filled in for them. And I got the call to fill in for them. And so we spent a lot of time rehearsing and learning their set was so much more of a learning experience than just learning how to play to backing tracks with like Alyssa Marie or HD Bendo. You know what I mean? Like this was like, they're, you know, they're a known band, man. They've done like incredible stuff. They went on tour with like Kendrick Lamar and Stevie Aoki. They played on like a lot of late night shows. They've done like amazing stuff. You know what I mean? And so get the call to fill in for them and learn their set and this and that. It's like very disciplined. The first five songs are played, not stopping. There's transitions, from the beginning of the set to like the fifth song in. And that's when you finally get a break. There's, there's no, it's all just one track. You know what I mean? Yeah. And you got to be very on point. You got to know exactly where you, you know, when the, when the track ends and it's dead silent and you're just listening to click, you better be counting along with that. Because if you miss one click, you're stopping the entire next song. And that's exactly what happened. (laughs) Second song in in <laughs> London sold out show, <laughs> like, and I love this band, bro. I'm like so, so <laughs> filling in for them uh, <laughs> Fucking get up, kill the first song. Shit's fucking it's a blast. All of a sudden, I'm like, you know what I mean? The counting through, like playing that intro ring. Uh huh. And then finally, you know, because there's like a live part that like you know it was like a crowd participation kind of thing going into the next song, and it was like. As soon as I went into that next song, I was like, oh, nope, I'm turning these tracks right off. It was immediately <laughs> the second song in, first gig I had with them. I had to shut the shit off. And then, and also, I was like, not very familiar with like, if that happens, how do I get rid of the programmed transition? Oh, yeah. Okay. Because now we have to start the next song with the same cue and keep it rolling as if that mistake never happened. Right. So I'm looking at the program and I'm like, I'm just going to drag this away and hope for the best. Like that's (laughs) essentially, and it worked out. So (laughs) all things happen, you know what I mean? But it never happens in a ton of people. It (laughs) did me both times. (laughs) (laughs) What better way to fucking do something again, you know?
0: That uh, a 32nd being an eternity is, is a real thing. And then the other part about that too, is that the, the audience won't really like connect until Cause they'll they'll figure out that it's a little off, right? Yeah, yeah. But for sure. It's it's funny because then you can try to like trick them because you just keep playing. You don't want to stop, right?
1: Just, right. Exactly. Yeah, you got to power through it. Try to kind of like find your place and and cover <laughs> up. <laughs> you know, it's like getting an F plus immediately and just trying to change the grade right, on your right. desk. <laughs> yeah.
0: So, how did you become? Like the, the guy to get the call for filling in for drums for these
1: bigger bands. I just started like, I think when I decided that I didn't want to be, you know, in shot anymore and Mm -hmm. we made the decision to end things, I, I had noticed that like, you know, even before shot ended, I, there were opportunities here and there where people were like, Hey, will you record drums for our, our album? We'll pay you. And I'm like, sure. Like I didn't it didn't like click in my head at that point in my life where I was like, Oh, I can make, you know, sustainable, consistent income if I continue to promote this. And then when shot ended, I was kind of like, I want to, I want to do more than just play heavy music. I just started promoting that I would fill in for people. And it was almost like, it was like instantly, as soon as I made myself, you know, known that I was available, Mm -hmm. I was like, I just started, I got a lot of calls from like, you know, that general area that I grew up in playing shows in from bands that I didn't think knew I existed or, you know, didn't care as much for shot or whatever, but like it was instantly, I just had consistent opportunity to make money from everybody in that area. And I was like, okay, I'm going to leave my job. (laughs) (laughs) Like a year later, I think (laughs) I left my job and I, I was like using like Uber and drumming to kind of play my, uh, pay my bills. And then it became digital marketing and music. Okay. My and that's, and that's where I kind of like continued on from.
0: Okay. So you've actually, and this is, this is important because some people are good with this stuff and some people aren't. So you've taken the social media and the digital marketing really to heart and made that as part of your other revenue stream to be able to do what yeah. you actually like.
1: Yeah. But even then that was just something one of my friends threw me into like this drummer that I, I had grown up around. His name is Jimmy Pemberton. And he was, you know, an educator at this shop called the Senzo Strum Shop. And I always went in there and bug those guys for fucking <laughs> ever about stuff. like Cause like I was a broke touring musician. Like you knew, like, right. Bro. I had a backpack full of fucking ramen noodles. You know what I mean? So, but like I would go home and, I, and within my community, there's like these shops that i like to go to. I'd go to that drum shop and be like, yo, teach me how to do this or teach me how to do this. And he's like, fucking, all right, whatever. <laughs> but, you know, as we got older and when I started doing the hired guy thing, that's how he approached me about digital marketing. He was like, hey, I've noticed how you changed your, your presence and like your demeanor on social media. And he's like, and you're getting a lot of work as a drummer. He's like, you can teach. Other people, people, how to use social media, and get paid for it. And I was, I was like, "Fuck yeah! How how do I do this?" You know what I mean? <laughs> so, and I was just heading out on that tour with HD Bendo, and we are supporting Portugal the Man. So I was like, "All right, cool. This is this is a chunk of money for you know rent for a couple months." And then he gave me that social media thing, and he's like, "It's super easy." He's like, "You just take calls with people and tell them how to do this, that, and the other thing. Teach them how to promote or run ads or whatever." Yeah. And so he got me my first client. It was. Doug Flutie Foundation for Autism. Holy shit! He took the right. He they took the first call with me, and then the second call was scheduled. And I was like, I was like, hey man, you jumping on this one? He's like, nope, it's all you. And I was like, no, 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 no. I was like, I don't. (laughs) (laughs) He's like, bro, you got it. He's like, I promise, don't be nervous. I was like, I was like, I'm nervous as fuck. I was like, I've never done this shit in my life, bro. I was, I was like, I've never worked as like a freelance contractor to that professional level. And I took the call, and it was fucking. It was a breeze. Ended up, I ended up consulting for like Greenpeace through that agency, and uh, who the fuck else? Autism Speaks. There was really big nonprofits that he got me opportunities with. Yeah. And I learned so much from that. So I was like, all right, I was like drums and this. I was like, I never have to wake up and go to an Work. office. Yeah, so, yeah. like I was able to tour in Europe and you know coordinate calls when I was in Europe with people back in the states. Like I was just like, I never ever ever want to apply for a job again. And so. I just kept running with that. You know what I mean? That's amazing. Yeah. I got super lucky. I like, you know, the people I, I was like networking and playing music with, you know, growing up with like, gave me a lot of opportunity. People at Zildjian and Vader and Jimmy himself with like the digital marketing stuff. Like they've all given me incredible opportunities and opportunity to learn how to like make this, you know, a chunk of revenue.
0: Yeah. And actually do, what your passion is, which is playing music.
2: Yep.
0: Yeah. That's, that's fantastic. Okay. So after, after shot, you're starting to build your name around the, the area that you grew up in
1: over in Boston, right? Yeah. Yeah. Boston. So I grew up in Weymouth, which is South shore. It's like 10, 15 minutes from Boston. And then as I was building my name more and more, I lived in Dorchester, which is a part of Boston. Okay. And then
0: you start going on more tours and start doing like more recording
1: or regional yeah. work. Yep. Definitely. It, it became very consistent as to where like, and I got super lucky with like when I did have a full-time job, like I became really good friends with all those guys and they were all like super supportive of what I did. I, I, kept, I was able to keep that job for like three years, which at the time was probably the longest job I, <laughs> longest time I ever had a job. <laughs> like when I, when I first met you, I was keeping jobs for like four months. I would say you right. needed to go on tour. I'd go on the tour and come home and be dead broke and then fucking just get, you know, wait for the next, work until the next tour. Yeah, yeah, But this job was like, I remember I was there for like three months. I finally joined Lions Lions. And the first, the first shit I had lined up with Lions Lions was like literally, I think it was like 10 or 12 weeks of touring straight. Like we just were not going to see Massachusetts after we left Massachusetts. And so I I went to my boss and I was like, I was like, yo, uh, I need to take some time off for two different tours. And he's like, sure, what are the dates? So I sent him the first one. The first one was like 15 days, which he was already used to. And then, or not, not, yeah, I think it was like 10 days. And then the next, I I was like, I was like, the next one is, is pretty long. <laughs> <laughs> it literally, it was like leaves the beginning of March, gets back in the middle of May. Wow. And he was like, dude, where are you going? <laughs> and I was like, we're doing the U S then we go to Canada and then we do the East coast and then I can come home. And he was like, that's incredible. Absolutely. (laughs) I was like, really? Yeah. And I was like, "Will I have a job when I come home. And he's like, yeah, definitely. I was like sick. (laughs) What were you doing? It was a startup company called fetch storage and, uh, fetch storage was owned, um, and partnered with another company called rent and AC. So like renting air conditioners for, you know, people in new England or Boston area. Okay. You'd rent it for the season. We'd go un- install the air conditioner, and then you know take it out at the end of the season and fetch storage. You would go pick up the shit those people need stored and bring it back to the warehouse. And then whenever they request something, you bring it back. They're most startup companies too. That's that's yeah. fantastic. Yeah, dude. I, I like. I just got stupidly lucky. Yeah, I see that. I see that. Yeah. I need
0: to be around you more. Like we. Yeah. <laughs> it's it's amazing to me the people that I, I've I've become friends with through music. And yeah, just like definitely. what you're talking about and being able to still connect with you, especially we don't talk that much. But 10, 12 years since we met each other, we've still been pretty consistently friends and, and still been friendly.
1: Yeah. You'd have seen you on tours that had nothing to do with Brian. or Exactly. Talk. Yeah, you know yeah. I mean? like, it's, You've definitely always kept in touch. It's yeah. Thing.
0: Which is fantastic. It's crazy the amount of luck that you can get if you're just like a nice person. And the relationships that you build, if you're just like that genuine person, like who would have known that, uh, me giving you guys just pizza in a one bedroom apartment for a while, uh, would have led to, to what you're doing now and being able to talk about it.
1: Right. Exactly, man. But it's like those small things that matter. It might seem insignificant in the moment, but it's like, just as you said, it's it's 10 years later and. You know, I'm living on both sides of the country and you're still doing your thing. You're still involved. Like I'm still yeah. involved. It's, yeah. it's awesome. <laughs> so
0: yeah, it's crazy. I um, it. Oh, of course. And then, so for you,
1: you joined, when did you join Lions Lions? I think I like became, or, you know, became a member. It was considered a member like a year after I went on that tour. That tour was in 2015, I believe. Okay. So five, four or five years ago, I, I joined them. Were you still being mostly like
0: freelance
1: before you really hopped on with them? Yeah. Shot, Shot ended, I think I'd done that, that like two and a half, three month tour with Lions Lions. Shot played their last show. And then I filled in for this band, Quesara, which is like, you know, very under oath y kind of band. Mm-hmm. And we were filling in for actually for Spencer of Under oath, we, we were supporting his other band, Sleepwave. Oh, that's cool. So, yeah, so we're out with him for like 10 days, and those guys are fucking awesome. But that's that's another it kind of like relates to like what you were saying. Like, touring with Sleepwave, their drummer Jesse has become like such a good friend of mine. And I did that one tour with them, and he calls me for everything now, where he's like, he's like, yo, I have this tour. If you want to fill in for it, I'll put you in contact. You know what I mean? Like, he hits yeah. me up for any opportunity. And it's because he saw how hard I was working with Quesaro to learn those songs and perfect those songs. It's, you know what I mean? So it's yeah. like just quick interaction. You meet someone, you guys click, and he's got your back. You know what I mean? So
0: it's amazing, like what a little networking does to actually elongate your your life in in what you're doing.
1: Yeah, exactly. Your relevance and, and yeah. you know trying to get out there. Yeah, all of that is wild. Okay, so
0: with Lions Lions, you're you're pretty much full time with them. When did you start looking at? Uh, like the hip hop world and and stuff like that, because you were with Alyssa Marie and then HD, mm-hmm. right? Yeah. So
1: after ha- I had re shot, I think a year after I had rejoined that, uh, um, the Alyssa Marie thing came about. I was like best friends with her sister. Her sister had mentioned, "Hey, do you know who my sister is, Alyssa Marie?" And I was like, "I have no clue." She's like, "Oh, I'm surprised because you've played hip hop, and she's very well known for hip hop on on YouTube." And I was like. In my head, that just means you have a couple thousand views. Sure. And so I I looked and I was like, yo, shit. I was like, she's got a fuck ton of people watching her shit. And that just, we just had the idea to collaborate, like a song or something. And that turned into, oh, let's play a show. We played at some bunk ass fucking venue in Brockton, Massachusetts. I didn't have in-ear monitors. I just had like a speaker. Uh It was really loud and a table next to my drums (laughs) to play backing tracks. So yeah, that was a huge learning experience with her. But yeah, I was playing with Alyssa while I was playing with Shot. And even before that, I had lived with this rapper and his name was HD, which is kind of funny. Totally different person. (laughs) Um, Not HD Bendo, But he had a show where he was like, yo, I want you to play drums for this song. And then it turned into let's record this song with drums. Uh, the big hip hop station in Boston is taking submissions for like whatever this is to get on the radio. And we ended up we we ended up getting it. We got it on the radio. That's amazing. It. Yeah. And so it went HD, then Alyssa, and then HD Bendo, <laughs> and then Bela, which was B-lay was a totally different story. He's dude. He's the fucking man. I played crazy shows, insane shows with him too. But uh, I don't know. Hip hop has always kind of been like I don't parallel with music. Okay, like yeah. I've just kind of always been doing it somewhat at the same time. It just became more and more serious at the, the more I did. I guess yeah. I don't know. I
0: think that's I'm just interesting. kind of just
1: realizing that now too, as I'm explaining it. <laughs> <I didn't laughs> know that it had always been around that long.
0: Yeah, that's uh it's it's a fun time when when you actually like think about this stuff because you don't really do it when you're doing the things right you don't right, have that exactly. time to reflect a little bit so i it this has happened a couple of interviews where like one of them i i interviewed this uh band called na and they were realizing that like the the two members paths were almost the same as right. far as like joining and like what they went through and all this stuff and then one of them realized that they were kind of in a cult for a little bit which was fun <laughs> <laughs> so it's like- yeah. When you, when you actually like step back and reflect on some of this stuff, you, the, the shit that you think of and the, the experiences that you have,
1: you are just like, Oh shit, that actually happened. It's like, Oh, I didn't realize I was actually doing this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Crazy. Have you ever seen that movie? The other guys? Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Will Ferrell and Mark Wahlberg. Yeah. 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 Will Ferrell like this super like dorky white cop, but at some point he's like explaining something and Mark's like, you're a pimp. And he's like, no, no, I wasn't a pimp. And then he <laughs> continues to explain the story and he's like, so, I was managing this group of girls, <laughs> you know, but he was a pimp, you know what I mean? <laughs> it's it's kind of like those moments.
0: That That's cool. I, I like the fact that we're we're figuring out that you're doing hip-hop the same time that you're doing like everything else. Yeah. When you're doing these bigger shows and these bigger tours, is it something that you're looking at where you kind of deserve it because you all the work that you've been putting in is it something that you even think about and we're like this is when you're on stage in front of thousands of people and you're like this is the moment that i was here for because i've been working for this you know for years and years and years
1: um kind of it's like it's weird because like when you're younger you've when you first get the opportunity to play like a big show open for like an artist that draws a fuck ton of people Portugal the Man. Looking, right. Yeah. Yeah. Which is funny too, because that tour, when I got offered that tour, I had heard their name like 10 years prior. I never listened to them. I never followed their career. I didn't know shit about them. And my buddy was like, hey, HD got offered the, the Portugal the Man tour. Do, do you want to do it? And I was like, sure. I just thought it was going to be like a couple hundred people a night. Like, yeah. I had no idea. And so I just kept learning the songs that I had to learn. And I think it was like, four days before i left for that tour my buddy matt who was you know kind of managing the the whole, uh-huh. the whole situation on hd's end he was like if you looked at the venues you're gonna play and i was like no i was like it's probably gonna be fun and he's like was like is this your first like club tour and i was like what do you mean he's like it's like small club tour like 2000 cap rooms or whatever and i was like i was like wait what and he's like sends he's like yeah he's like i sent you the itinerary and so i like go to because i just didn't care you know what i mean and right. to look like i you know and he's like, yeah, he's like, you're playing Brooklyn Bowl in Vegas. You're playing like, <laughs> he's like, you're playing A- Moody Theater at ACL in Texas, which is like 3,000 people. Ram set up just, in Baltimore, I think, right? Um, no, where the fuck did we? We did DC. That's okay. what we did. did yeah, I- Nine Third Club. Two oh, Yeah, yeah, All right. That's what it was. And I was just like, I was like, what the fuck? I was like, Portugal, <laughs> the man is this big. And it probably sounded, you know, insulting to think that. And even on that tour, dude, that's when they first that song feel it still first like yeah went like huge it was the song of the year they won song of the year with that and so that whole tour literally it was like we played the first show and and it was like i think the second show sound checkup moved around because they just randomly got booked for like the big radio station in that area to go interview with them that morning or something and the rest of the tour was like that the whole fucking thing sold out and they were just continuously like getting booked for all this extra shit. Like it was crazy. And I was just like, and I, even in that moment didn't realize how big things were getting for them in, in the process of this tour happening. You know what I mean? So it was like just this crazy, <laughs> that tour was one of the craziest tours of my life, dude. Yeah. But in to, to, you know, kind of bring it back and answer the question is like those those moments are all temporary and that's something that you learn. You know what I mean? It's like a lot of people think when you play your first big show or your first big tour, that things are like, Oh, I got to this point, you know, now I only have to worry about this, but that's not true. You know what I mean? It's like, it really depends on what you're focused on building a name for, whether you're building a name for yourself as a, as a hired gun or you're building your name, as a brand, whether it's a band like chain of islands or it's, a, or it's an artist like HD bend Oak. So it's like, you're still, after you do that big tour, you still got to go back and play the small headliners now. Right. You know what I mean? To see what you're worth in those rooms. And yeah. that You know, continues to, to build. So it's like, yeah, you definitely feel it in the moment at some points where you're like, Oh, this show is crazy. Like, I'm so stoked. I know I'm going to walk out to like a thousand people or 4,000 people or whatever, but it's like, Tomorrow you still wake up in your regular bed and you do your regular shit to make your regular money. You know what I mean? Yeah. So it's like you gotta stay focused and you definitely gotta adapt as things change to, to continue to to appreciate those those rewards, quote unquote, you know?
0: Right. Cause you've you've done the lows, I uh, imagine, right? Mm-hmm. You've done the lows and now you're you're continuing to rise. What I'm thinking for you though is the the bands that you're a part of. Do you feel like your stamp is on all of them, and like their success is also your success?
1: To an extent, some of it. Like Bad Rabbits, I wouldn't say that. Like Bad Rabbits built you know a name for themselves and in their brand and everything they did. They did that totally DIY on their own organically, and like me being there is for the the shows that I did with them plays no part in their success. I was just doing a favor for a friend that was unable to play those shows. And it had been a while since they played shows in general. So instead of continuing to put off, you know, remaining publicly relevant, they were like, Hey, let's have one of our homies step in and we'll, and we'll get these shows out and we'll be able to play for some people. You know what I mean? So I wouldn't say I play a role in their success. Right. Like something like shot heard around the world. That was something I had creative input on. You know what I mean? Like, I would write with Brian and we invested all of our time in that project. So I would say that is something I have a stamp on.
0: You Are know? you doing the
1: same thing with, uh, chains of islands, a chain of islands. So chain yeah, of- that's, that was, that was an idea I had when I was like 18. I was, I was going to record all the instruments and just have friends like sing on it. Yeah. And then I just shelved the idea cause I got really busy with like shot and all these other like side projects that I was trying to juggle. And then I think after doing the touring with HD and Line's lines and Elizabeth Marie, I like I have creative input in those situations, but it's not like me, it's not like me writing and saying, hey, this is what I want to contribute to like today's session or whatever. Right. And the original idea of Chain of Islands was that. So I wanted to create a project where I could write again and have some sort of like creative input. And it's not that it's not allowed in Line's signs. It's just like I felt like I was more. Like I joined something that had been established and, you know, I, I contribute here and there, but Lions, Lines at the end of the day is just friends making some, some fun, fast music to play to. And you know what I mean? Like we've kind of always had the same writing process, right? Chain of islands is like, that's me and Nick, you know, and he plays a gigantic role in the creative process, like building those songs and writing those songs. That's something I write for with him. So that's something I, I want to see how far I can, I can push that, you know what I mean?
0: Do you have an idea of how you want to approach it? Because with with the backgrounds that you have with digital marketing, right? And then also Mm -hmm. the the music. And then it sounds to me like you have taken this music and made it to where you're taking it as serious as possible. This is your livelihood. This is your business, right? Mm -hmm. So do you look at that where not only do I want to be able to create, but I also want to
1: make these certain goals happen? Yeah, absolutely. Me and Nick talk about that a lot. Where, like, we, because obviously, in any creative relationship, I feel like when there's more than one person, or even, need, even when you're a solo artist, there's always, you're always going to like butt heads. You know, there's always going to be creative differences and you're going to be working towards like a common goal. Yeah. But we both know that we want to have mainstream success while still maintaining control of the brand. You know what I mean? And, and being us and not, you know, just what we're told to be. So I think. We want to approach it approach it with that type of integrity, while still being able to maintain to those that kind of corporate culture of investors and you know promoters and whatever labels or whoever can help leverage the right the idea. You know,
0: is it something where you're even thinking about um, once you get to that point, either releasing it yourself or trying to get on a particular
1: label? we we've, we've had that talk as well. We definitely want to see how how long how much of it we can do on our own, you okay. know what I mean? Cuz I think it's that's just a more attainable um, career these days. There's a lot of people that like I know back when we were kids like the idea of success was being signed to a label. But with the development of social media and, you know, the closeness or I guess like cuz like all the people were hard to find before social media. You know what I mean? Right. People that like make things happen, but now it's like, it's just as simple as just like finding that motherfucker yeah. on fucking Instagram and kind of following their tracks in that sense and being like, oh, okay, this is who they're talking to, or this is what they're doing. This is yeah. how we should approach them. It's it's a lot more under my microscope.
2: Yeah,
0: and then for you, it's it's kind of like, okay, well, let me think about all those flyers that I saw before, right. And all those venues that I saw on those flyers, yep. I want to follow the bands or I want to follow the projects that I deem successful myself and then mm-hmm. try to learn off of those and, and make it to where my success is based off of what I want as far as my goals, but mm-hmm. what I can kind of steal from as far as their best practices or whatever. Right.
1: Right. So like, I guess like when we have an idea of how we want to approach it, like we know we want to approach it from a digital standpoint at first with me I live by bi- coastal currently Nick hasn't moved out to California yet and obviously with this pandemic we don't know that that plan could be pushed back right. however like when we discuss those types of things it's like yes we want to play live but we also want to be able to bring value to playing a show so it's like let's try to get the song in like a popular show so it's like we would like to be featured in something on Netflix or whatever or, or a movie sure. right so it's like the idea of going to the MySpace Flyers and finding that promoter would be the idea of going to like imdb.com and finding the, the music manager for that show and approaching them. You know what I mean? To be like, Hey, how do we get our music, you know, published or licensed for whatever. It's just approaching a different side of the industry now, as opposed to trying to hammer away at as many promoters as possible (laughs) to to book us.
0: (laughs) And just emailing random venues. Yeah, uh, exactly. But I, I think that's something that's interesting that n- not a lot of people think about because they don't necessarily think about the the kind of threads that hold everything together, right? And those different pathways that way you can actually realize what your goal is. Mm-hmm. So, and if you're, because what I like is that it sounds like you're approaching this with a measured measured stance where you want to be able to do A, B, and C. But you also know how to do A, B, and C, or right. what needs to be done for A, B, and C to actually work, right? Right. Exactly.
1: And even even at the end of that, it's not necessarily. It's like even though you know what the steps are, it's not guaranteed that you'll see success from that. Right. <laughs> you know what I mean? Right. Like you might approach every fucking um, I forget what the actual term is, but you know, the, let's say the talent buyer, the you know music production fucking manager, or whatever. Mm-hmm. They could just be like, yeah, your music sucks, dick, dude. <laughs> <laughs> we don't want it. It's, you know, so there's no guaranteed route of success. It's just like, you know, bring your product the most yeah. professional way possible if you can. Do you say? S- they- <laughs> <laughs> I, I like it. Do you see yourself
0: um, kind of switching gears in the future to be that person that helps out other people in music to get to where they need to go.
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that's, I think that's kind of how it always is. You know what I mean? This is the idea of having like the title of like some sort of like manager or talent buyer, artist Mm -hmm. development type person, you know what I mean? But it's like, even then it's, it's your decision to be like, okay, do I want to watch, you know, do I need to monitor six other people's lives and careers and be responsible for their success if I decide to take on this type of title? As opposed to, you know, I, I love helping my friends now. And there's like this young kid, his name is Freddie. He's a fucking insane drummer. He just randomly messaged me on Facebook a couple of years ago. He was like, dude, I loved your performance. I just had a couple of questions, whatever. And it's like, he's always proven to me that he just works hard. So yeah, if I have a gig or something that I can't do, he's the first person that I call. Sorry, That's awesome. Jesse. <laughs> But that you know. that kind of just trickles down, right? So Yeah, exactly. Yeah. You just pay it forward, right? Like continue yeah. to help the community that you want to grow in because those people are gonna help you. Yeah. I dig that because you you never know what that other person is gonna have an opportunity for, right? Right. Exactly. They might have something crazy that they can't take and they're like, yo, Derek, you know, are you around?
0: Yeah. That's that's fantastic. So when you look at everything, what do you think is one of the the biggest things that you've learned about yourself? When it comes to
1: music or the digital marketing or the, the business as a whole, oh man! Something I've learned about myself I'm probably still just as indecisive <laughs> <laughs> about small things that I shouldn't be wasting my time on. But I've also that's something that I have you know acknowledged about myself and have made the change with you know what I mean. Where I'm like, there's certain things that are not worth s- so much time being worried about. You yeah. know what I mean? Like when your overall goal is to really just get as much attention to how you're, you know, expressing yourself through your art, whether it's music or, you know, painting or whatever, you know what I mean? It's just like, it's, it's fucking done. <laughs> you know what, <laughs> what I mean? Like the song is done. The artwork is done. Stop freaking out about when you're going to put it. just like, just make a decision, put it out and let it, and then work from there. You know what I mean? As opposed to like waiting for perfection. You know right, what I mean? Right.
0: Cause if you try to keep perfecting it, then you're
1: never done, right? Nothing is ever done, yes. Which was, that was also another thing with like me and Brian, dude. There would be like nine thousand ways to end the last three seconds of a song, <laughs> <laughs> like, and this would cost us like three weeks of being like, "Oh yeah, go record it, bro. It needs to be perfect." It's like, <laughs> It's just stupid. It's not gonna sound good live anyways, you're gonna climb on things. So just fucking You know. That's funny. (laughs) Just enjoy the song. Put it out.
0: Yeah, yeah. Just try to get the art out rather than, you know, keep perfecting it every single chance or 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 looking at it and and keep like obsessing over it almost, right? You gotta gotta figure out when to
1: say, okay, it's good enough, right? It's just waiting about like I think just hesitating on execution. That's always the toughest part. You're your biggest judge, right? And then you can't have fear of judgment with your outside crowd because then you'll never know what they truly think. So it's like, just do the thing. (laughs) Just do the fucking thing. Put it out. Do you think that you've
0: been able to stay rigid and focused and kind of in a routine as well because of the the amount of experience that you've had as a freelance too? Because with you working basically independently, sometimes it's a little bit more difficult to motivate yourself
1: to keep doing that. Right. Dude. When I first, when I first started getting like consistent work with digital marketing and gigs at the same time, I just spent all my time playing drums. I was like, this is sick. (laughs) And then I would go home and be like, fuck, I have all this shit. I have to like schedule out and like, these reports I have to go over and, and whatever, you know what I mean? And like, that's where I'm like, I have to like, you know, really be grateful and appreciate that I have this other source of revenue, but to just make myself sit down and fucking do it. I was like, this sucks. I yeah. like, this fucking <laughs> blows man. <laughs> you know? So, but you do, yeah, you wake up and you, and you start to, it, Creating your own schedule and being disciplined to it, it teaches you so much about everything else that you do in your life. Yeah, how you're, how you're dieting, how active you're being, how you know what I mean, how you're taking care of yourself, or you know everything else in your life. So, it, it's definitely a different mentality, and it's uh, very disciplined for yeah, sure.
0: Because if if I could, all I would be doing is talking into a microphone with other people. However, <laughs> I have to. Edit the show, do the social media, which I'm the worst at. So you and I are going to talk. Um, <laughs> I got you. And then just all the all the non glamorous stuff, right? Yeah, exactly. So all the actual stuff that makes you successful isn't just you practicing drums for eight hours a day. It's mm-hmm. the actual hustle on the other side where I can get my name out there, I can get my brand out there. Then I can go ahead and start making these more connections and these better connections, and then. If I'm presenting myself as a genuinely good person, probably right, or just myself, I'm I'm a good person or whatever, right? That connection that you can have with that other person, they'll see that, they'll see that you're working hard, they'll see that you're taking it serious, and then that gets us mm-hmm. to the next uh, the next spot, right?
1: Of course, yeah. Like being easy to communicate with, and then having you know that kind of word of mouth connection is definitely going to go a long way. Because like even the digital marketing world brought me a lot of opportunity in music that I really didn't see coming. You know what I mean? Like all the stuff I did with Zildjian, all the, the photo shoots and all the symbols I had received and all that stuff, like that was from consulting on like certain things to do with digital media, which I don't think I would have had the opportunity to do those photo shoots and, and be on their site or see everything that I had seen, you know, on the back end if I didn't have any fucking clue how to do the digital media shit, you know what I mean? So,
0: so you were sponsored by Zildjian, not because of your drumming, but because of your digital marketing.
1: And that's another thing I've <laughs> never, I've never been sponsored. A lot of people think I'm sponsored by these brands. I've never claimed endorsement. I've right, never publicly right. said any of that. Like I've just like, dude, I just I got so lucky with where I grew up. Like I, I took drum lessons for a year when I was a kid and that dude worked at Zildjian. Oh, like okay. down the line. So after he stopped giving me drum lessons, I called him and bugged him one day. I was like, yo, I broke a cymbal. And this is like, like because at one point, I was breaking cymbals way too fucking often. But when I broke my first cymbal, I was like, what the fuck do I do with this? You know what <laughs> I mean? So I called him and he was like, I'll take care of it. And my, my entire entirely, I probably can't say his name because of this, but um, just to keep in trouble. He doesn't work there anymore, but um, he was like, whenever you break a symbol, let me know and I'll take care of it. I just learned that he was just creating like an RA number <laughs> and it was just oh, nice. me a warranty. So yeah, he'd always hook me up and then he left and I was like, fuck, what am I going to do? I'm, I have to pay <laughs> for symbols. <laughs> and that's when the digital marketing thing came along. I, my friend, Eric, he played for a band called, we came as Romans and okay. we were just hanging out on the bus one night. And this dude, Chris came to interview him and he worked for Zildjian. I just happened to be wearing a Descenso's drum shop shirt. And he goes, Oh, do you know those guys? I was like, Yeah. I was like, I love those guys. And we got to talking. And then he was like, Hey, uh, or it was funny because I hit him up and I was like, oh, A couple weeks later, and I was like, Hey, um, I have this broken china because he told me to, you know, show sure, up yeah. and see if he could do anything. And I was like, Is there anything you can do with it? He's like, I'll let you know, whatever. And then I never heard back from him. I was like, Fuck. <laughs> and then. And then I think it was like a month later, he was like, yo, um, I think we should meet up. I'll cover dinner. And I was like, sure. I was like, I love getting fucking wine and dine, baby. <laughs> <laughs> and we started talking. He was like, you know, if you give me advice on this type of stuff, I'll like help you out with symbols." And I was like, fucking done deal. And it just ran that relationship for like three or four years. You know what I mean? And just, again, continue to kind of remain close with people at that company. And, you know, and, and then you have a good relationship with like more than just one person. Right. who Ends up helping you out you know, and same deal with like Vader. I just happened to fucking grow up with their artist relations guy. So he's always helped me out. He's hit me up for like to be in their ads and shit, but you know,
0: who knew that Boston was like this hub of culture and just amazing (laughs) connections all the way through.
1: Yeah. I mean, in the drum world for sure. And definitely, obviously within the sports world, people nerd out about it up there, but like, you know, I, I think in industry it's, it's hard to live and have a sustainable career. If you're trying to be like an acknowledged artist, you know what I mean? Like there's yeah. no, and people get offended too. Like, I don't want, I, don't, I mean, I don't want people where I grew up to be offended, but it's like, I'm not saying that there's no scene or, or culture there. Like there's definitely a music scene. There's great shows that happen. Mm-hmm. There's beautiful venues that you can play, but there's no industry. And when I say that there's no industry, I mean this for like everything, there's no music industry really. There's no like fashion industry, art industry. Like it's, if like Boston is really big for some reason, really big on startups now and huge in the medical field, which is very well known. But like, there's no artist development that's living out here. There's no music managers, artist managers. There's no label reps. Like someone, so when I say there's no industry, I just mean that, that, you know what I mean? Like, in the entertainment world, it just doesn't really thrive here and that's not a negative thing. You know what I mean? So it's like, it's kind of part of the decision why I I moved across the country. Right. Cause I I think
0: the the same thing can be said about something like DC or Baltimore, right? Sure. Is that you have DC as very transient, right? So that, that willingness to really like develop the, the people that are there Mm -hmm. and there's, tons and tons of amazing DC musicians, but it is a pretty small pool when you look at it. And then, you know, we're six hours from New York. Boston's not too far from New York City, right? Right. So when you look at it, I guess the hub for for us would be New York, right? And then you're able to, and you actually see the, what an industry is when you go over to LA and SoCal, right? Yeah,
1: absolutely. And it's so quick, dude, it's just like, it's crazy. Like, And I'm speaking from my own perspective where like, you know, growing up out here, you definitely learn how to have like very hard work ethic, which I'm grateful for. Like if I could change my, you know, the past and do it all over, I would definitely spend, you know, growing up out here and learning music the way I did out here for sure i probably would have moved to la sooner but (laughs) um i'm still grateful i did it when i did it but it's very quick it's very quick to like if you are trying to be involved you're trying to dig yourself into that community you you will meet you know professional people and people who you know are successful within that industry very quickly you know what i mean you'll learn from them and you'll see how that shit works and You know, it's, it's so fucking different. It's not even the same. Like when I'm at home in California, I, I, it's just like, it doesn't, there's no comparison to like what it's like for me over there as it is for me when I'm home in Boston. You know what I mean?
0: Yeah. Cause with, with Boston and this is the same thing I think with DC or Baltimore is that not only are you contending, contending with maybe other bands that are in the area and other artists or whatever. Right. But you're also contending with like a lack of foundation, right?
1: Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like, bro, I mean, I've played amazing sold out shows in Massachusetts where I'm like, this is fucking incredible. (laughs) It's not that there isn't a music scene, it's just very hard to stay here and continue to climb the ladder of the industry if you're going to choose to live in Boston. There's nothing wrong with like moving to develop further. People do that for raises. You know what I mean? They do it for if you're if you're working at this company and you start to you know become a coordinator for you know that region or whatever it's like hey we'll up your pay if you move to arizona it's like fuck yeah absolutely yeah. <laughs> you know what i mean but and it's the same thing with music there's nothing wrong with leaving where you're from you're still from there yeah. if your yeah, pride yeah. is in being able to say like oh i'm from boston or i'm from fucking georgia or whatever you know what i mean so I well, think it's I think it's a good opportunity to to move and take advantage of another place's network and to be close and opportunistic to being accessible does that make sense like being able to yeah. take something right away
0: Yeah and then you already have the the work ethic that's already instilled in you already so it's it's just translates over there to where now you're able to see the actual industry part of it and the foundation part of it and what the actual music scene not scene but music um machine looks
1: like. Exactly. I think that's a very good way to say it.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Cause then you can see the processes of the ins and outs of everything of what actually kind of gets you ahead a little bit. Cause you could be in Boston still doing drum lessons, playing in multiple bands, playing in cover bands. You can still be making a life with Mm -hmm. music. Mm -hmm. It just may not be what you're doing right now.
1: Right. And it's not, and, and that's, you know, I don't want to just stay the hired guy for like the Northeast area. Right. You know, like I wanted, I wanted to do something that leaves a mark with music. Like I want there to be something acknowledged for it as opposed to just being like, yo, he's a really good drummer that fills in for a a ton of people in the area. He's worth the money. You know what I mean? Like, I I don't want it. I don't want that to be what my career is left off as I guess.
0: Yeah. No, I, I think that's a really good, it's making sure that that end goal isn't just that. Like you're not right, complacent exactly. just with drumming. You are mm-hmm. you have a higher goal in there all all the way through.
2: Yeah.
0: Cool. So I'm going to end with uh, two different questions. So the first one is, if anybody is trying to get into music or drumming, you were talking mm-hmm. about your uh, buddy, Freddie, I think that messaged you, right? Mm-hmm. So what's yeah. what's something that you might tell either your younger self or maybe
1: someone else that's trying to get into it? Um I would definitely say take advantage of whatever like your popular social networks are. Like that's something that like when I was very very young didn't exist and to have been a teenager when shit like MySpace was popping off like I didn't look at that the opportunity that was sitting there. You know what I mean? But like when there's stuff that gets popular and you are trying to be industry involved, I would say at least approach it and attempt it before you write it off. Shit like TikTok, like mad people now are like Oh, I wish I was on there sooner. <laughs> you know what right, I mean? Right. So it's like where you can make yourself socially acceptable from, you know, to the world from one location, take advantage of that. That's like, I don't know what the next step is <laughs> in the growth of, you know, just the digital world and social media, but just continue to adapt and and try to, you know, be as relevant as possible on those platforms. And then the other thing is practice and do it for yourself. I know it sounds corny, but like, there's a lot of, you know, people who will be like, Hey, you know, I want to do this that, and the other thing and dah dah, 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 But it's like really once you see that they've had success in like this very irrelevant to a passionate type of situation, like if they just want to play like in front of a bunch of people and be able to say they did that, they don't continue to pursue it. You know what I mean? Right. So it's like, you know, I, I would say don't ever try to do anything just to be cool in it. You know what I mean? Like be positive influence for yourself and whoever else is watching you do it. So, I think be open-minded, that, you know? Yeah. It was it was tough for me to, like, give lessons at first. I was like, fuck. I was like, I don't, I don't really know anything about drums. <laughs> <And> then, <laughs> people, you know, and I got hit up for lessons, like, a lot before I started giving them. But, like, just be open-minded to being able to, to provide value in that end as well. If you can educate or give somebody else an opportunity, do yeah.
0: Because right now, I mean, not only are you teaching drums, but you were teaching a little bit of the not. Teaching digital marketing, but kind of
1: right like consulting on yeah so.
0: yeah so and even with everything that's going on right now with this little pandemic little pandemic uh, uh, huge <laughs> right <laughs> well, that's, that's an understatement right yeah. <laughs> it's just it's just a we little we can't gap. leave our fucking
1: houses actually <laughs> right
0: yeah <laughs> I have to wear a mask everywhere I go literally uh, oh, it's crazy and uh, what what I was gonna say though is that you're still. You have the skills to even be successful right now,
1: right? Greatly, dude. It's like it's crazy. I'm still, I'm still just as busy before all this shit started happening, and when this shit started getting more serious, I was like, oh fuck, what am I gonna do? You know, (laughs) (laughs) like gratefully, very thankfully, I'm still in a good spot. Like nothing has changed for me. Yeah, like how busy I am or what I'm doing to you know for money. Like everything is still good. So. Thank God for music. Fuck high school. <laughs> <laughs>
0: that's the message that you guys need to take. Fuck high school. It, just go drop out and do music. Yep. <laughs>
1: hey, I still got work. I still got money. So that's, who knows that's, what I would have done with a degree. I hey, know. I don't have a degree. I, I do okay. It's fine. Hey, fuck yeah. There's nothing wrong with anybody who got a degree either. You know what I mean? I'm just grateful for the path I chose.
0: Yeah. I mean, I could have probably made more money with a degree. So that's that's something. But uh, true. This music should stop. Some fuck. <laughs> <laughs> well, do you? Yeah, do you think about that? Like, if you injure yourself, so to put it in perspective, I have tinnitus in my right ear. You have what? Tinnitus in my right ear, so I don't hear from the right side of my face. Okay. And I think about this all the time when I go to a show, or even when I'm doing
1: stuff like this. Where is like that as well. He can't hear. He's deaf in his right ear. Who is that? My buddy Scott, he plays drums for Makeout, out yeah. and a 5 North.
0: Okay. So, same same kind of idea, right? Where if I lost my left ear, I would be lost completely. I wouldn't be able to really oh, like listen to music or anything like that. So, do you think about that at all as far as... You were talking about taking care of yourself and like dieting and stuff like that. Do you think about that for your body as far as trying to keep up with everything oh. that you're
1: doing? Yeah, a thousand percent. Bro, when I met you, I was just a fucking garbage disposal you could give me half of a double cheeseburger and i'd eat that shit it could have been <laughs> six hours old sitting on the counter that and some doritos i'll wash it down with like mountain dew and i'd just eat fucking trash now i'm just like i don't eat i don't eat bread i don't eat uh meat i'm very low on dairy i'm pescatarian so i eat okay. uh some seafood and this all and all of these I don't, I'm not doing this shit for the animals either. Don't get me. Wrong. I love animals, but this shit's for me. Like <laughs> <laughs> this is because you know, when I was touring a lot, like I started feeling like pain in my in my arm and in my shoulder and shit. And I was like, "What the fuck is this from?" And I'll have flashbacks to like doing a windmill while I'm playing drums, like yeah. just doing violent stuff to my drums, hanging from the so like, ceiling. Yeah, exactly. Like just damaging, doing stuff that your body shouldn't do when you're playing an instrument. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it's just like sit. Don't be uh, fucking primitive, insane person. You know what I mean? Just play the, just play drums. And so I was trying to figure out, I was trying to learn. I was like, why the fuck does this hurt? I was like, maybe I need to work out or I need to stretch more or whatever. And my buddy, Jimmy again was making suggestions. He was like, I stopped eating red meat for these reasons. He's like, maybe you should give it a shot. I was like, fuck that. I love steak tips. I'm not doing it. (laughs) I was like, I fucking love bacon, like all this shit. And I slowly started getting rid of milk. And then I was like, you know what? I was like, I'll try the shit without red meat and then did that for about a year. And then I was like, you know what? I'll try it without chicken as well. And that just, I just kind of like continued to like improve on how I was feeling and like what my endurance and stamina was like. And so, and I'm not somebody that like, I don't ever like post about it either. Like I'm not, you know, I don't preach it and somebody eats meat. I'm not like fucking murderer, (laughs) (laughs) I'm just like, I'm just like yo. I hope that's like non-GMO, you know? Right, <laughs> right. right, right. Like, I hope that's grass-fed or you know, like <laughs> I think there's different solutions for different people. I'm just, I'm just learning more about my body the more I change my diet. So definitely, definitely, definitely uh, think of those things. You know, you da- you adapt to the situation you're put in. Yeah, kind of, like, or I hope. <laughs> Otherwise, you just don't
0: <laughs> adapt or die. I think is is what it is, man.
1: Uh... Exactly.
0: But I, I think about that sometimes with, with my musician friends, especially, is that if they ever like lost a hand or their shoulder yeah. doesn't work anymore, right, then how are they going to be able to do this, make money? They have to
1: kind of learn another skill. And See, you coach, have. You, you have to want that shit, whatever it is. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like, I don't know. I feel like a lot of people, something happens in the game. They're like, oh, it's. Fucking game over,
0: you know. <laughs> <laughs> well, I was I was really really scared. Like, uh, for for me, I went to sleep and then woke up the next morning with this ringing in my ear, and it's been seven or eight years with that. Really? Yeah. And I knew it was from doing shows and stuff. It's it's from sound yeah. reinforcement and yep. all this stuff. But it completely changed the way that I operate because I I'm right hand dominant. So yeah. I would do everything on the right side and now I have to do everything on the left side. And it's still weird to me. Like he'll, that is weird. Yeah. So you'll see me, like if I'm talking on the phone, a lot of times I'm on my right arm and my right hand, just on the left ear, right on the left ear. Yeah. And it just looks so fucking weird. It's awkward, but I don't know. I always, I always think about that. And, uh, it's, it's, something that if you're not kind of set for the future and I hope that everybody kind of thinks about that, that future in there to where if you don't have, if shit goes sideways and you don't have (laughs) a different way to do it, you know,
1: you're, you're fucked. It's true, man. I, I met this dude. He's a good friend of mine now. His name's Paul the Gelder. And I just, another random story. I was out with my buddy, Jimmy digital marketing dude, the dude that helped me, you know, learn about my diet. He's like, Hey, I got a call from a buddy of mine. He says his friend is in town. He needs a couple guys in Boston to show him around to like the good spots. And you like, you know, he's like a, he's a motivational speaker and he hosts shark week and I barely watch TV. So like, I know people love shark week. I just don't know anything about it. Right. And so we go to meet up with this dude. Um, and he's fucking got no, I don't know if it's just the left side of his body or is it the right side. He's got n- no lower leg and no, lower arm he got wow fucking ripped up by a shark and he's hosting yeah. shark week and he hosts shark Week. He's, he's like he's like a he like fights for sharks bro he likes he's like totally he's 100 vegan he's in way better shape than anybody <laughs> that you or i know um he's got crazy different you know prosthetic attachments so he, yeah. he goes to the gym every day like he's in, like i said he's in great shape we go to meet up with this guy and he's like the realest dude he's the coolest dude uh and we just ended up keeping in touch and hanging out ever since and then he lives in la now too so like we hang out and you know we grab food out there and people are like hey you're the guy from shark week and he's like oh yeah my might it's mate. <laughs> you know um but dude his story is fucking crazy where like if you ever you should you know watch some of his shit on youtube or if yeah. you ever get the chance to see him you know go see him but like the way he tells it is just like he's like i you know he's like the shark did what any shark would do. He's like, I can't, you know, I was in that motherfucker's territory, right. <laughs> or a or whatever. But he's like, sharks are incredible creatures. And you know, what's funny too, is like, you think like, like that's just what he does for his job. Now is that like, he's the host of shark week. Right. And he's, he's a motivational speaker and shit like that. Like, you know, we hang out at his place and it's like, he just watches hours of like discovery channel. Bro. <laughs> <laughs> like, you would think he's a stoner. He's just like, he's like fucking amazing, bro. Like <laughs> fucking incredible creatures mate i'm like like eight hours of fucking fish bro no, i'm just kidding I, I do i enjoy it and like he's totally you know just in love with it he learns about it all the time he takes celebrities shark dive. he took will smith shark diving that's like, amazing so i'm saying man this dude fucking lost his arm and his leg literally yeah <laughs> And most people have been like well that's uh, i'm gonna sit at home now this is what i do Right. for a job exist right and this dude is like killing shit that's he loves sharks he's like defending them bro. that's phenomenal um die the, the mentality for sure yeah to the max
0: yeah well what do you so what do you think keeps you motivated the most to keep pursuing everything
1: i just want to see what's next man i think things are getting cooler I, you know i used to be someone that was like i get jaded in some situations i guess i do still here and there but like To see the development of everything and to see how you can create opportunity and how those opportunities look when they become successful, I think that's just like keeps me stoked to be like, yeah, I I definitely want to keep playing music. I don't think there's an age where I'm gonna be like, Oh, nope, gotta get a real job now. You know, (laughs) gonna hang it up and manage McDonald's. Like (laughs) it's just like I think people just assume that's an actual thing. I know people who are successful in happy in the music industry, they're not, you know, they're not like celebrities, but like they still play arenas or they write songs for, you know, celebrities and they, you know, there's so many different ways to become successful creating what it is that you love to do. It's yeah. just how, how you see yourself doing it. So if you get discouraged by fucking 25, cause you're not, you know, doing the craziest thing in your life, then it's like, I don't know, maybe, maybe you should go work a regular job. But for me, I just, <laughs> I want to keep seeing what's next. Dig it. It's it's a lot of cool stuff for me so far. So it's like, you know, why would I cut off anything possible afterwards? Right. Keep going.